This podcast is sponsored by Talkspace. May is Mental Health Awareness Month, and Talkspace, the leading virtual therapy provider, is encouraging people to talk it out in therapy. By talking or texting with a supportive, licensed therapist at Talkspace, you'll gain insights, discover truths, and experience breakthroughs that will improve how you live and how you feel. With Talkspace, just answer a few questions online, and you'll be matched with a therapist. And because you'll meet your therapist online, you don't have to take time off work or arrange childcare. You'll meet on your schedule, whenever you feel most at ease. Plus, Talkspace works with most major insurers, and most insured members only pay a $25 copay or less. No insurance? No problem. If you want to make progress toward a mentally healthier place, Talkspace is here for you. Now get $80 off your first month with promo code SPACE80 when you go to Talkspace.com. Match with a licensed therapist today at Talkspace.com. Save $80 with code SPACE80 at Talkspace.com. Greetings, conversationalists. Welcome to the third hour of the Eric Erickson Show across America, across the Fruited Plain. I'm happy to have you. The phone number, 877-973-7425. Please, please, I don't want to rehash all of my commentary about New Hampshire. If you text Eric, E-R-I-C-K, to 33777, you get the podcast. We break it out by hour, so you just listen to hour one if you want me to go through. I, I do want to play you a couple of pieces of audio from Donald Trump's speech last night, though. Because there is some some relevant additional commentary, not about New Hampshire, but but related stuff. And so I want to play you two bits of audio. This is Donald Trump on stage last night in New Hampshire, surrounded by, well, he's got Tim Scott, Vivek Ramaswamy, and a number of others there on stage with him. And they're destroying our country. So I want to thank... I want to thank everybody for being here. I want to thank this group of people... We will never forget you. We will never forget. And I made a pledge. I made a pledge to your state that you have the highest energy costs in the country. In the first year, they're going to be reduced by 50% because we are going to drill, baby, drill. Drill, baby, drill. Inflation's going to come way down. But in the first year, your energy costs are going down by 50%. Thank you very much. We love you. Thank you very much. That, that was one of the things you said, energy, because energy is actually a significant issue. In, in New Hampshire, they, they've screwed up the power grid in New England. They're winding down uh, supplemental natural gas in New England, uh, trying to get people to rely on solar and wind. It's unstable and reliable. And, and it's a problem. But he also had this to say. You know, uh, I think we called it right. Immigration's a big deal, a big deal, a very big deal. We have millions and millions of people flowing into our country illegally. We have no idea who the hell they are. They come from prisons and they come from mental institutions. And it's going to it's just killing our country. And I'm talking. Killing our country, he says. Now, this is related to this story. Um, Governor Kathy Hochul uh, of New of New York, uh, Governor Katie Hobbs of Arizona, Governor Gavin Newsom of California, Governor Jared Paulus of Colorado, uh, Pritzker of Illinois, Moore of Maryland, Murphy of New Jersey, Healy of Massachusetts, and Luan Grisham of New Mexico, they've all signed a letter. The letter is to Biden, Schumer, McConnell, Johnson, and Jeffries. 
They're calling for assistance to solve what has become what they call a humanitarian crisis. Quote, the sustained arrival of individuals seeking asylum and requiring shelter and assistance due to lack of congressional action on infrastructure and policies can only be addressed with federal organizational support and funding to meet the public safety and humanitarian needs of our local communities. With ongoing conflicts around the world, global migration is at a historic high. States and cities cannot indefinitely respond to the subsequent strain on state and local resources without congressional action. Communities along the southern border, as well as interior states and cities across the country, lack the vast coordinated infrastructure needed to respond to the humanitarian and public safety concerns of those seeking lawful entry into the United States. Seeking lawful entry, my foot! And so Kathy Huckel puts this out, and she tweets, Without action from Washington, our economy, states, and communities will continue to bear the brunt of the shortcomings of the existing immigration system. I'm leading a coalition of governors calling for federal support as we manage an unprecedented humanitarian crisis. Seven of the nine states involved. Seven of the nine states. You have New York, Arizona, California, Colorado, Illinois, Maryland, Massachusetts, New Jersey, and New Mexico. Seven of the nine are sanctuary states. Seven of the nine are sanctuary states. They give safe haven to illegal immigrants. And she has the audacity, as does this letter, to claim that they're having to harbor those who are seeking legal immigration to this country. They're not. They're crossing over the border. They're not going to our embassy. They're not filling out paperwork. They're not following the procedure. They're coming across the border, hiring people to get them here illegally. It's creating a humanitarian crisis that they, now pay attention to this, they were perfectly happy when it was just Texas, Arizona, Florida, border states, and southern states having to deal with it. They were perfectly happy. They couldn't be bothered to even care about the issue till Greg Abbott and Ron DeSantis and even some nonprofits started sending illegal aliens in their direction. They lacked basic empathy for other states until it affected them directly. And now they want a federal government bailout when seven of the nine are sanctuary states. They haven't wanted a bailout for Texas. They haven't. Texas has been putting up the razor wire. You, you know, by the way, uh, the Biden administration, yet again, because of all of the, the backlash that they're suffering, they've begun to subtly, slightly pivot on the whole idea. The White House has decided it's not going to take down the razor wire. They said that agents need access to process migrants, but they're not necessarily going to commit themselves to taking down all the razor wire. By the way, you know what Texas is doing? Texas looked at what the Supreme Court did with its order. And Texas said, well, the order says the feds can take down the razor wire. But the order does not say we can't keep putting up razor wire. Texas isn't defying the order. The order says that the feds can remove the razor wire. Nothing, no one, no judge anywhere has stopped Texas from laying razor wire. So they continue to lay it. I saw, so, okay, um, there is a guy, his name is 
Kevin DeYoung, Reverend Kevin DeYoung. He is a PCA pastor. He's deeply evangelical. He is a great, great pastor. Sadly, there's another Kevin DeYoung who is a progressive theologian who says some of the stupidest stuff uh, on, on Twitter. And that guy, the day he meets his maker almighty is going to be a very bad day for that guy. Different Kevin DeYoung. And that Kevin DeYoung is on Twitter tonight saying, you can't be pro-life and pro-razor wire. Yes, actually, you can be. Yes, you can be. Again, it's why Donald Trump should go to the border. He should go highlight the issue, stand with the troops in Texas, uh, the Texas agents who are putting down the razor wire, and the federal agents are not. By the way, did you know, because it didn't get widely reported, that the Border Patrol was actually opposed to the Biden administration stopping Texas. The Union for Border Patrol agents came out in support of Texas. And by the way, you should know after my commentary yesterday on this, uh, a couple of constitutional lawyers reached out to me. They're, they said I was I was right in their interpretation of it. The issue here is that immigration and border security are federal issues, not Texas issues. That if it's an insert, if it is a uh, invasion militarily, Texas can take action. But this is considered an immigration issue. So while we can be mad at the Supreme Court and think they should have interpreted differently, that uh, based on precedent from the Supreme Court. Uh, Barrett and Roberts probably got it on the right side. Whether you agree with them or not, they probably did. Regardless, Joe Biden says there's not a problem at the border. That's one of the most absurd things. This is from the Daily Signal at the Heritage Foundation. President Joe Biden, wearing a brown leather jacket and a black baseball hat, walked out onto the South Lawn of the White House on his way to Marine One. He was flying to Camp David, but first he stopped to talk to some reporters. Mr. President, one of them asked, would you call the situation on the southern border a crisis? No, said Biden, according to the White House transcript, but I wish they would react. I've been pushing them, my Republican colleagues, since I got into office. I think we have to make major changes at the border. I've been pushing it. I'm prepared to make significant alterations to the border. There are negotiations going on for the last five weeks. Even John Fetterman thinks it's a crisis. Alondra Mayorkas has said it's definitely a problem. He's the Homeland Security Secretary. He thinks it's a problem. Y'all, it's absurd. It's, it's absurd. And it's now the number one issue for voters. It is the number one issue for voters in America is the border. Not inflation, not the economy, not war, not the Middle East, not Israel, not abortion, not trans rights or gay rights or climate change. It's the border. It is an issue ripe for Donald Trump. And I suspect with that polling data coming out, that's why the Biden administration suddenly pivoted from we're going to take up all the razor wire to eh, we may leave it. We just need access to the area to process the people who make through unscathed. So it's a pivot for the Biden administration. Now, my suspicion is what's going on here is Biden knows he's got a problem, but he's got it on both sides. Progressives wanting to be tough and to take on Texas, but he knows if he's successful and Texas does have to back down, that it exacerbates the problem again. So he's trying to have it both ways. He's trying to look tough against Texas, but then not actually lift a finger to stop what Texas is doing. Maybe he will, but it just exacerbates all sorts of problems for him. He's trying to be too politically clever in this stuff, and I just don't think it's going to work for him. It's a winning issue for the Republicans. 
inflation in the economy, winning issues for the Republicans. What exactly is Joe Biden's winning issue? Abortion. That's about it. That's why yesterday Joe Biden gave a speech and he doubled down on the issue, uh, claiming that something had to be done about abortion. As I made clear, we have to do what the Supreme Court decision in Dobbs would allow, and that is Congress must codify Roe v. Wade for all the states in America. Stop playing politics of the women's lives and freedom. Let doctors do their job. Let me say it again. Pass laws restoring the protection of Roe v. Wade for women in every state. That's what can be done under this, on the, even under the Dobbs decision. But under this court, that is going to be constitutional if we pass it nationwide. That's what I'm working for. I, I, okay, he's already getting a lot of those voters, actually. He's already going to get the pro-abortion voters. Who's he going to add to the coalition? He's not going to add anybody from the economy. He's not going to add anybody on inflation. He's not going to add anybody on the border. He's not going to add anybody over the Middle East situation and foreign policy. Uh, what does he have? Trump, threat to democracy, abortion? I just I, – see, I, look, I, I look, I, in 2016, I was pretty convinced there was no way Trump could win, and, and I, I was wrong, absolutely. And I just think that Democrats this time, they would be foolish to think there's no way Trump can win. I've got friends on my side. I've got Republican conservative friends who say that they don't like Trump. They're not going to vote for Trump. There's no way he can win. I can't believe Republicans committed suicide. Don't bet the farm on that because he won in 2016. And when you look at the key issues for voters, he's on the right side of the issues, not Joe Biden. Don't write him off. Welcome back. It's Eric Erickson here. I'm not going to give you the phone number. You can't call anyway today, given the setup, but that's okay. Uh, have y'all, did y'all hear this? Uh, Biden, in addition to his uh, uh, yesterday in Virginia, he also did this. Hello, Virginia. And the real governor, Terry McAuliffe. It, it, Hello? The crowds re- listen, listen to the crowd's reaction there. Virginia. And the real governor, Terry McAuliffe. Uh, not exactly. Uh, Glenn Youngkin replied on Twitter, I'm over here, Mr. President. It's me, the real governor of Virginia. Okay. That's election denialism. That's that's denying Glenn Youngkin won the election. That That's what they blast Donald Trump for. So Hillary Clinton and all the Democrats can say Stacey Abrams was actually elected in Georgia. Uh, they can say that the Russia stole the election and really it was Hillary Clinton's. I mean, going back to Howard Dean and, and the Democrats and in 2004 that really John Kerry won or in 2000 it was Al Gore. Every time the Democrats want to question an election, they get to get away with it. You have to give them a pass, but not the GOP. Now, this is the, the thing. Republicans from here on out. Anytime anyone suggests that Republicans engage in election denialism, you just say, well, actually, Joe Biden denied that Glenn Youngkin was governor of Virginia. Is it because he's an election denier or because he's got dementia? Which, which do you think it is? I mean, why not? It's either election denialism or it's dementia. Either one isn't exactly selling Joe Biden. Mr. Donald Trump's a threat to democracy. You're a threat to truth, Joe Biden. What are you going to do? Look, I mean, the bottom line here for for Democrats in particular is 
if you're going to accuse the other side of being threats to democracy and election deniers, you can't do stuff like this. It's irresponsible of you to do. It's irresponsible of the president of the United States to do. Y'all think it's irresponsible of Republicans to deny the election. It's irresponsible of the president of the United States of America to deny an election and call someone else the real governor of a state who lost that election. Whether you think he was being cutesy about it or not, he clearly confused the crowd. It's not being cutesy when you're doing stuff like that. It either all matters or none of it does. And Biden should apologize for doing what he did, and he won't. And and what the Democrats say, well, it just fired up the conservatives. Look at that. Erickson's complaining about it. All the Republicans on Twitter are complaining about it. Ha ha, we got them. Um, well, you know, there will be a lot of people on the right who then become very dismissive of things on the right and behaviors on the right. If you're not going to police your own side, if you're not going to police your own side, don't expect the other side to police their side. That's, that is is the way this all works, y'all. I have been around this block plenty of times. Do not expect one side to police itself if the other side isn't willing to police itself. And that's just it. Um, by the way, as an aside, can I say I've, I've got the TV network on in here. I, I got CNN on. And this wall-to-wall coverage of, of Trump and his legal issues, man, the general election has begun. And they're starting to obsess over him. There's been very little other news on the TV screen, it, it it's remarkable how consistently predictable this stuff is going to be, and I think it's going to burn people out over time. I mean, I'm exhausted by it, and, and I do this sort of stuff for a living. I'm also ex- exhausted by dealing with the wokes everywhere and the, trying to woke control your life. You know, one of the best things you can have with financial freedom in 2024 is saying goodbye to woke banks that are trying to cancel freedom-loving Americans because they don't agree with our politics and our faith. You can switch to Old Glory Bank. I've got an account with Old Glory Bank. It was started by John Rich, Larry Elder, and Dr. Ben Carson and other like-minded banking experts. Old Glory Bank is pro-America. It's an online bank. It shares your values. It's not just what they stand for that makes them great. They've created a remarkable mobile and online banking technology like the Old Glory Cash-In gives you 85,000 retail locations across the country. You can deposit cash into your Old Glory bank account. I did it to try it. It works flawlessly. Smart things like their budgeting tool include goals that help you set up periodic payments to help you save for things that matter like vacation or braces for the kids. And now they offer VA, conventional, and FHA home loans as well. So make 2024 the year you tell woke banks enough is enough. Cancel your bank before it cancels you. Go to oldglorybank.com. You can set up an account in less than eight minutes. They're member FDIC, equal housing lender, oldglorybank.com. It is my bank. I I genuinely love this bank. Hello, America. Here we are towards the end. And I want to regale you with tales of hubris. Hubris, yes. Because, oh, we got a relevant news story. But before we get to the news story, let's just talk about hubris it comes from ancient Greece excessive pride the ancient Greeks uh, it, it meant several different things to the ancient Greeks it can mean assault or sexual crimes it could mean theft um, it could also and this is where it, it really centered and, and where it became to be really known is emulating divinity and transgressing the gods Aeschylus, one of the writers of the ancient Greeks, I used to have to read him in school. 
really is one of the ones who defined hubris as a transgression against the gods. There were lots of stories uh, where people assumed that they were better than the gods. They had a particular skill or something. Um, They were rarely left unpunished. Arachne claimed that her weaving skills were better than those of the goddess Athena. She was transformed into a spider. Then there's Icarus. You know the story of Icarus? He and his father Daedalus, they made wings of wax to escape, but Icarus was so enamored of the wings and flying, he flew too close to the sun. And the heat of the sun melted the wax, and he fell to his death. Or there's Cassiopeia, whose constellation hangs in the stars. She was exceedingly arrogant. She boasted that she was more beautiful than the nymph daughters of the sea. And that brought the wrath of Poseidon upon her kingdom of Ethiopia. Poseidon decided to flood the whole country, maybe to send the sea monster, Cetus, to destroy it. In any case, Cassiopeia consulted an oracle, and the only way to save her kingdom was to kill her daughter Andromeda, who she had boasted was more beautiful than the sea nymphs. Now, of course, you know this story, Perseus arrived and killed the sea monster, saved Andromeda, and married her. But Poseidon decided that Cassiopeia shouldn't escape punishment. So he enchained her, ensnared her, hubris. You know stories of, of hubris in history outside of mythology. There's there's Ferris. Ferris was a Greek. He, he commanded the city-states of Greece he went to Rome. He decided they needed to have a. They were they were in a fight, the Phyric War, and at the Battle of Asculum, there was a massive, massive battle. The Romans and the Greeks together had about seventy thousand soldiers. It was a massive army. Furus had seventy thousand infantry. Sixteen thousand of them were Greeks. The Romans had seventy thousand. Twenty thousand of them were Romans. The the Furus rather Furus relied on on Greeks who had to sail across the Adriatic to help him. The Romans, of course, were there on land. It was easier to get word to move about, and and they had a massive battle at Asculum, and Furus won. He won the battle. People forget he won the battle, but he won, and there were so many great losses that he had to give up. The war. In fact, he he commented that if we were as victorious in one more battle with the Romans as we were now, we would be utterly ruined. It was a fearic victory. His troops lost at such a cost because of his hubris and how he chose to fight. Or there's Napoleon who decided to march on Russia in the winter and came back a loser. And then to have it all repeated more than a hundred years later by Adolf Hitler, who broke his word with Joe Stalin, turned the Soviets into enemies and decided he could do what Napoleon could not. His arrogance got the better of him. And frankly, part of that loss of the war, or there was the Japanese as well. 
the Japanese had a war with the Russians in the early 1900s, even before World War I, in 1905. There was the Russo-Japanese War, and there was a naval battle, the Battle of Tsushima. And the Japanese defeated the Russian 2nd Pacific Squadron, which was a formidable force, and it shocked the Western nations. Even the United States was shocked by Japan. And it fueled militarism in Japan, and it really developed the idea that the Japanese were invincible. The Japanese were completely convinced of their invincibility, which allowed them to attack Pearl Harbor less than 50 years later, and then to miscalculate badly at Midway, overstretch in Mongolia, and utterly ruin them. We see hubris around the world. History tells the stories of men and women brought down by their own arrogance and hubris. Thus, we turn our tale from historic examples in Greek mythology to the present. And a woman in the state of Georgia. Her name is Fonnie Willis. Fonnie Willis beat the Fulton County District Attorney. She had worked for him, and there were accusations of corruption in his office and impropriety in his office, and she ran a campaign against him. She would clean up the office. He tried to tap into the Black Lives Matters movement, and he started prosecuting police officers. It led to a, a collapse of morale in the city of Atlanta and in Fulton County, police leaving, a crime wave starting, and he was tossed out on the street by the voters. They elected Fawny Willis, and you know what she did initially? She dropped charges against the police. She got aggressive with crime. As, as far as crime goes, in Fulton County, Fawny Willis actually did a good job. She cracked down on gangs. She brought RICO prosecutions against the games. And then Fonnie Willis decided she got a little taste of the power. She got a little taste of the politics. She decided to reach for the stars like Icarus flying to the sun. She decided to prosecute Donald Trump. While all of that was going on, Fonnie Willis is in a relationship with a married man named Nathan Wade. And she appointed him to be the special prosecutor in charge of the RICO investigation. Things have not gone well. The divorce proceedings have been opened in Nathan Wade's divorce. A judge released them. The New York Post and others got copies. Turns out at one point he was uh, issued criminal contempt or, or civil contempt because he refused to answer uh, his wife's questions on on drug use, illegal and prescription drugs. He said no illegal drugs ever. He he was dismissive of questions about alcohol use. He's been pulling money from his wife's account, causing her to have overdrafts and and problems with her bank and being able to pay her bills. All sorts of accusations there. And also, it appears he was in a relationship with Fawny Willis that was undisclosed when she decided to appoint him to be in charge of the Trump investigation. Had she disclosed it, it could have complicated things for the two of them. You know, adultery is a crime in Georgia. 
would have complicated things for him. But she didn't disclose it. Not only did she not disclose it, but she never sought permission from Fulton County to even appoint him to be the special prosecutor, driving up costs for the taxpayers along the way. And she thought she could get away with it. But in her reach and overreach of going after Trump and all of his associates, she decided to reach for an opposition researcher who worked for Donald Trump. And the opposition researcher researched his opposition, the prosecutor charging him with a crime, and along the way discovered she was having this affair with a married man and just so happened to have picked that married man. And now the divorce record's unsealed. It appears the allegations are substantive about the relationship between Wade and Willis, a real conflict of interest. And I got to tell you, I genuinely believe that the judge should throw the whole case out. If you listen to me on a regular basis, you know I'm not a fan of Trump's. But I think you, you he didn't commit an insurrection. He sparked a temper tantrum. I think his challenging the election, if he really believed that it was stolen, he didn't commit a crime. And I also believe that this litigation in Fulton County is now too poisoned by the prosecutor's behavior, even if it had merit, even if I thought it had merit. And against some of the defendants, I think it does. Against some of the defendants, it does. But the only way to stop abusive prosecutions and, and double dealings and conflicts of interest like this is you punish the prosecutor by shutting down her case. You can't reward this sort of behavior. And passing the buck to someone else on a case that she wanted and few others did, is no. It, it's not fair to the prosecuting attorney's counsel in Georgia. It's not fair to any of them to take on the mess that she herself made with her conflicts of interest. Her hubris got her this. She is an arachne turned to a spider or Icarus with melted wings. She is a story of mythology. The stories of mythology are there to tell us how to live our lives and to avoid mistakes. There were plenty of stories that Fawny Willis could have listened to and learned from on arrogance and hubris and knowing your limits and not flying close to the sun. And she ignored them all. And if I were the judge, I would melt her wings and end this case. It has no business proceeding. Now, I want you to proceed to Vision Computers. You should. Visioncomputers.com or 404Compute. Call them and tell them I sent you. You get a great deal. They built my son a gaming PC. It's so over my head. I don't even have to answer his questions anymore. Okay, I take that back. I had to answer one the other day. He knocked cable loose and didn't realize it, and he didn't want to call them because he knew it was an easy fix, and that's the first time I've had to be tech support for him. Otherwise, he calls Vision. If he doesn't know how to do something, it's a PC. I'm a Mac guy. They, it's, they built him a gaming PC. He calls Vision 15 seconds or less. He gets the answer. It's, it's amazing. He calls them. 
They understand what his computer situation is. In one case, they actually remoted in and they set up his email for him. Uh, they called me first. They got my permission to do it. They, he needed a Gmail account because he was using some. I, I don't know. It was a game, and he needed a Gmail account. And they called me, gave me all the information as well, super parent-friendly, dealing with kids and computers, just great people. They can do this for your business as well. They can build the computers for your business, and then your employees can call the number if they have questions about the computers so you don't have to pay an in-house IT guy, and you do not have to be the IT guy. Anyone in the nation can take advantage of Vision Computers, 404-Compute or visioncomputers.com. Call them at 404-Compute anywhere in the nation. Tell them I sent you. You get a great deal from Vision Computers. My fellow Americans, welcome back. Don't forget, please text DATA to 33777 and pre-order my book. It comes out in a few months. We're going through the editing process. I I, I will spend some time here diving through. Yes, there will be an audio book, um, but it really does help me if you buy the book. It, it makes me look good with the publisher. They'll let me write another book. I didn't know this was a thing, and, and it, it, I, I'm I'm fascinated by it. I, I'm not a big board game player. I used to be, but uh, Monopoly kind of bores me. I like Clue. I'd play Scrabble. Uh, I'm not great at Scrabble, but um, I can play against dumb people and do pretty good. <laughs> uh, but, however, I didn't know there was this thing. Have you ever heard of this? It's called a Scrabblegram, and it is essentially a contest. You've got to write a piece of text that uses all 100 tiles in a Scrabble set and no other letters. The blank tiles have to be used. Uh, they can be used as any letter. So David Cohen is someone who has done the Scrabble Graham, and it is apparently in 1997 it, when he wrote it, it was a winning entry in a competition organized by Games Magazine to tell a story using all the tiles of the Scrabble set. After two decades, he's come back and he, he's been writing more of these, but I'm fascinated by this. I've never heard of this. So he used all of the letters in a Scrabble set to tell a story. He couldn't use extra letters. He could only use the letters in the Scrabble set. And this is what he came up with. A clown jumps above a trapeze, arcs over 180 degrees, out into midair, quite unaware of his exiting billfold and keys. That's pretty good. That, that's very clever. Uses all the all 100 letters. Doesn't use uh, any extra letters. Uses the blank spaces to be able to fill. That's actually well done. Uh, and so now he's, he's, he's starting others, but you got to figure out puzzles to get there. And I don't want to, but I never heard of this phenomenon. My son loves game. He loves card games. And he loves board games. He's gotten bored of Monopoly, too. The The latest one that we play is Risk. We play, and we haven't done it in a while. I'll tell you the one I need to get him, though, is Axis and Allies. So I was, obviously, if you can't tell, I was a nerd. My gosh, um, I was socially awkward. And I had friends kind of across the spectrum. But, but my core group of friends, when I moved back to the States, they were the Dungeons & Dragons guys. Now, I was not a Dungeons & Dragons guy. That was even a little bit much for me. I would go, like, hang out with them. But Axis and Allies and Risk, and there was one, oh, uh, stra stra uh, it was a strategy game where it was, like, the world map, and, and it had, like, nuclear weapons, and you could do deals. And there was one, like, Roman Legions um, that you play, these board games, and you could cut deals. And, and I was the honest guy in my circle of friends, so everybody put me in charge of the money. 
and um, in, in the dealing of the cards. And if I didn't want to play, I could at least manage the money in, in the cards. And everybody knew I wasn't going to rip them off. I had a ton of fun. Risk is a game, but they, they draw. Man, you just drag it out. Axis and allies, though. I need to get axis and allies, and I need to remember how to play it. It's been years since I played. I've got a buddy of mine, Josh. You may be listening to me right now. My buddy Josh over in Texas would play multi-day Axis and Allies games. And I did that a couple times. One time I invited my friends over. We started on a Friday night and sometime around late Sunday evening, I still had homework to do. Uh, the Allies finally won. They came real close. The Axis Powers almost won that game, but, but we beat them back. Because um, a buddy of mine... Exercise hubris. He 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 did a full on scale full scale invasion of the North American continent, or some said no 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 it was it was your he 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 did a big invasion and he was the Nazis and and it wiped him out. But board games, I guess I'm glad my kid he has a very strategic mind. He plays chess. In any event, I saw that Scrabble thing and I just thought that was really neat. Um, I didn't even know that uh, honestly. Yeah, I, I literally did not know that you could piece all 100 pieces together and come up with words in every case. I just assumed you'd be left with like an XZY or some pattern at the end. But nope, you really can. That fascinates me. All right. Tomorrow, I want to take your phone calls. I'm, y'all, I'm, I'm really sorry. I feel bad about today. I know a lot of you wanted to chime in and talk. And just with the setup, stupid me leaving um, my, my call screening computer behind with all this other equipment, I'm going to go record a podcast with Ryan Lane. Uh, and not get my expectations up that he's going to feed me something awesome in the process. I will see you guys tomorrow. I will we'll do it as an open line Friday because I got to go to a secret super secret meeting of the vast right wing conspiracy on Friday. So tomorrow will be open line Friday. You guys have a great rest of the day. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.